work here. Right. They can hear you. Why are men and boys struggling? And what should we do about it? In a world of chaos and our attention is being pulled in different directions, the Pursuing Truth podcast is seeking the solution by having authentic conversations that are aimed to impact culture. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pursuing Truth podcast. I'm your host, Levi Brickley, and this is an episode of Braincast where I have the opportunity to sit down, have a conversation with you by myself, and I really enjoy these because it gives me the opportunity to really articulate my thoughts behind the microphone. And on this episode, I am actually doing a video as well, which I typically don't do with the Braincast episodes. But this topic, I really wanted to get my point across on. And maybe in the midst of this conversation, you find something that you can pull from that's going to influence you to make changes in your life if you're struggling with depression that is derived from loneliness this conversation will be very very good for you because this is something that has defined the last two and a half years of my life as i have been single well maybe not two and a half but two years um, that has really defined my life and I've had to work through a lot of things. So I'm going to share my story with you guys on this episode and why I often talk about certain topics on Braincast that maybe when you listen to it, it throws you off a little bit because maybe it's experiences that you haven't dealt with yourself and it may be difficult at times to resonate with. And in this episode, I just really wanted to share my story and get it across to you that this is my intention with the podcast and why I do what I do. First, I will share some inspirations for you on this episode. I have listened to the Order of Man podcast with Ryan Mickler for the last year, year and a half on a consistent basis, almost every episode um, that he has produced in the last two years, I have probably listened to. So he is a huge influence for me in the conversations that him and his guests have. And every Wednesday, he has a podcast with his buddy, Kip Sorensen, and business partner. And they do a fantastic job just doing uh, Q&As and things like that. But this last week, Ryan had on Dwayne Knoll. And if you don't know who Dwayne Knoll is, maybe you've come across him on social media. You've seen a feed of an older gentleman sitting around a fire just feeding you common sense topics. And uh, they actually talked about this. And it's interesting because I've seen oftentimes where Ryan records a podcast and then I'm working on a podcast on the same topic. And it just kind of flows in because it gives a lot of inspiration for some points that I want to get across. So I'm going to use some things that Dwayne Knoll said. I also received a text this last week. I, I've shared a little bit of this part of my story and finding peace and solitude. And um, one of the consistent listeners and a good friend of mine reached out to me and he said, hey dude, I packed up a bag. I went out into the woods and I just spent some time in prayer and meditation and I just feel rejuvenated in my life. I feel the energy again 
to just keep going. And then I also had a conversation with a good friend of mine here in the living room just a few days ago talking about how changes in our lives. He's gone through an immense amount of depression and loneliness. So we really resonate on this topic because we both have been there. And it was interesting to me because as we were having this conversation and I was going through the process of this, I got into like reading books and different things like that. And, um, he told me he thought that was really weird of me at the time to get into reading and journaling and da 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 da, and uh, he he's doing that now himself and and he, he he was telling me how much those things are helping him and I believe those things can help you as well. I believe that you know getting your life in order part of that is gaining new knowledge and being open to new ideas and learning about things and journaling, becoming self-aware. So a few things that you're going to get from my story today is going to be the importance of evaluation, taking responsibility, finding peace from bitterness and insecurities. Everyone else's perspective doesn't really matter. Just stay the course. Acceptance and implementing change. So my story really starts from when I was young, but I'm not going to get into all of this, but I was in a fatherless home. And one thing that as a man that we will often struggle with coming from a background similar to mine from a fatherless home, single mom, is we look up to men, but also there's an intimidation, at least for me, I was always intimidated with men who had everything together and I don't quite understand why I was that way. It was um, a difficult time for me in my early 20s. And I always had this idea because my grandparents were married for 67 years that I wanted a long marriage of 40, 50, 60 years and raise kids together, watch them out in the yard playing and going on trips with the grandkids later on in life and just... I felt that this would be a fulfilling life for me. And I still want that to this day. But because of my inadequacy in having a solid male role model in my life, as in a father figure, I really struggled to deal with some of the relationship issues that came along the way. People on TikTok or across all of my social medias will often hear me say, no relationship is a fairy tale. No matter what you think, when you get into a romantic relationship, it will not be perfect. You're going to face challenges. And this comes from my personal experience. That's why I say that. When I was 18 years old, I got into a serious relationship with a woman that really was a driving force for me to get things in order at that time because from 16 to 18 years old, I spent time partying, I spent time smoking marijuana, I spent a lot of time stealing and just living a lifestyle that wasn't going to lead to a quality outcome in my adult life. And so when I got in this relationship when I was 18, there was this moment of change. I got a full-time job. I started running a house after I graduated high school 
and just start getting things in order. And so she was, she was very important to me at the time because she was the motivator for me. And I think oftentimes in relationships, women can be a motivator for us men. And even in the midst of singleness currently, women are still a motivating force for me because I want to be a good man. And because I want to be a good man, I'm evaluating these things that I'm going to get into. But near the end of the three and a half year relationship, I'm 21 years old and the relationship is a little bit on the rocks. And I called my mentor at the time and still is my brother-in-law, Bill. And I was like, you know, what do I do in this situation? How do I fix things? And I remember we're just a couple blocks away from my house. And he just says to me, Levi, she's been asking you to get married for a year and a half now. And you haven't took up that challenge or that um, desire to progress the relationship in that way. Maybe if that's what you want, maybe you put a ring on it. And so the next day, I'm not even kidding, the next day, I go to the jewelry store. I pick out a ring that her and I had looked at at one time in the past, and um, I bought it that day. Now I bought it on credit, so I had a 60-day return policy. And as I said, the relationship was on the rocks. So I called her over to the house, and I just said, hey, I just want to talk about things and just kind of figure things out. And so she comes over, we're in my bedroom and she's sitting on the bed and she just says to me, I talked to my brother about you wanting me to have, have you have me come over to the house and have this conversation. And he said that he thinks that you're going to propose. And I want you to know if you do propose, I will say no. And so what did I do in my immature self? I went to the top of the closet where the ring was at. I threw it down on the bed and I said, well, I guess I got this for no reason. And immediately tears started falling from her eyes. I think maybe it was a sense of shock that this just happened. Like I've been wanting this from this man for X amount of time and he's just now doing it while the relationship is on the rocks. And you could say, I'm trying to save things. But at the time, I really did want that. And she just said, I, I can't say yes. I, and, and, and immediately, I sat down on the bed. And I'm like, Why, what, what's going on? Like, you and I have been together for three and a half years. I know things are difficult right now, but I believe things can get better. And she just said, no, what I did was wrong. <laughs> That's never what you want to hear, right? And she proceeded to tell me that, she had met a guy at college that she had been sleeping with while we were in the relationship. That tore me apart. It crushed me. But I'm already this far, right? Why not go ahead and give her the ring? That's what I'm thinking, my 21-year-old self. And uh, so that was fine. And then she said, but there's something else I need to tell you. And she told me that one of my best friends and her had been kissing and doing other things. <laughs> and naturally, I, 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 I tend not to be mad so much at 
the opposite person. They're just trying to find intimacy or some type of uh, physical love per se temporarily with your partner. Although it's a integrity flaw on them, the person who is responsible is your partner because they should be loyal to you. But when it's your friend that's doing that, now you have two parties involved that you should have a reasonable expectation of loyalty from. But that just simply wasn't the case. And I decided I'm still this far into it. I'm going to allow my friend to open up to me about this. I'm going to put it aside right now. I'm going to focus on this relationship. And I just said, we can work through anything. And then she's like, okay, yes, I'll marry you. She takes the ring. She wears it for about a month and a half. And about three days before I could no longer return the ring for full return price, I'm like, hey, we need to talk. She comes back over to the house. And I'm like, I just don't feel like this is something that I can get over. That information that you gave me is something that I just can't get over. And I took the ring back. Took it to the store, got my full return. So I was only engaged for about a month and a half, two months. And um, that was a really difficult time for me. And I immediately, after we broke up and broke things off, I immediately, like, just womanizing, you know, like, oh, I'm a free 21-year-old man. I can go out and have fun. I can do all these things. Still working my full-time job. I had recently bought a house. Like, things are going really good for me in life, and I'm going to enjoy this time as a singleness, if you want to call it that, because eventually I found somebody where it was a situationship. And we remained in the situationship for eight, nine months. It was kind of one of those where you're not like... Re you're, you're not fully committed to a dating relationship or romantic relationship, but you're still exclusive. It's just a weird dynamic. I've never quite understood situationships, but that's what I was in. And near the end of it, I was still on Tinder. So, you know, knock me for that. I, it, it was wrong. And maybe that's the reason why I call it a situationship is because although her and I were committed to each other, the door was open for somebody else to come in. And this is actually something that I never told the following girlfriend about, but yeah, I was on Tinder and I met this woman. We went to on the border and we sat down and we just hit things off immediately. Conversation was absolutely phenomenal. We resonated on so many different topics. For instance, her mother was an alcoholic. Well, my dad was an alcoholic. Uh, she struggled with some things with her mom, and I struggled things with my dad that were very similar. We had similar political views. We had similar uh, Christianity views. We had our differences. But the overwhelming majority of stuff, we really resonated with each other. She was fun, she was intelligent, she was funny, and just a quality person to be around. And anybody, all of her friends 
were great friends to her and she was the same to them. And I, I think in relationship, that's a great way to evaluate if they're going to be a good long-term partner for you is what do they look like in their dynamic with other people in their life? What are their other relationships like? And so I evaluated all those things. I'm like, wow, this woman is a stand-up woman. She's 20 years old, so she was a year, maybe two years younger than me. I'm not quite sure, to be quite honest, because I'm 23. She was 20. She was 20. So she was three years younger than me. She had goals. She was going to do them because she was very driven for what she wanted. She had a strong head. She was very stubborn. We got into this relationship and just hit things off. Things were absolutely great for three or four months. And then that honeymoon phase kind of started to brush off just a little bit. She was getting stressed out with school. I was stressed out with my current job at the time, was going through some things. And so we started fighting. And what I found in the midst of me fighting was I am extremely, extremely insecure. I want to control everything. Now, this is, this is evaluation way after the fact, but I want to control everything. I'm insecure. And so when we would fight, she would want to go in to the bedroom and just like think about it on her own and have no involvement or conversation with me on it. Well, I just couldn't do that. I just couldn't allow her to have that time. I had to get this off my chest. I had to do it right now. There was a total lack of patience from a foundation of an insecurity. I don't want to lose her. I don't want to lose control. So I always tried to control. I would get angry. I would yell. Sometimes I would hit things. I'd never hit a woman, but I would hit things. I would knock things over and I would just be utterly mad yelling at her. And that was not a bright moment for me. And throughout the relationship, Things were great at times and those things would come back up where we'd be fighting and it was just this constant back and forth, back and forth. Well, eventually after a year and a half, she ends up moving in with me. Now, this is where things went all wrong, all south. And I personally, because of my experience, now on three occasions of living with a woman is oftentimes you'll hear, move in with them to figure out if they're the type of person you want to be with. You figure out a lot of things about them when you live together. Every time it has destroyed every one of my relationships. Not because of the way I'm living or the way that she's living, but because we are experiencing each other in a way that we hadn't seen before. When we had times of separation, she didn't always have to talk to me. She was able to just go do her own thing, and I wasn't there bothering her about something that was going on within me. And so there is almost that irritation level, but without the full-blown commitment that I'm sticking here with you through thick and thin, no matter what. And so eventually that can often, this doesn't happen for everybody, but eventually that can often lead to relationships ending and that's what I found throughout my three re relationships where I lived with a woman was just that this isn't working out 
Well, she started getting on. I, I maybe this is the wrong way to say it, but she started getting on to me about my finances. And I was about $1,500 in credit card debt at the time. And she just could not fathom why I would allow myself to be in this much debt, <laughs> which really isn't a lot of debt in, in, in all terms. That's not a lot of credit card debt. It's not something that anybody should have, but it's really not a lot. I've talked to people that say, I have $40,000 in credit card debt. I have $20,000 in credit card debt. I currently have far more than $1,500 in credit card debt, if I'm being quite honest. And we'll get into that. But this bothered her. So I decided I would start up a business. Let's add some more stressors into the relationship, right? That's what I'm thinking at the time. I got to make more money to satisfy how she feels about this if the relationship is going to progress. So I started up this cornhole business. And I'm not kidding you. From the month of June to December, I pumped out a hundred sets of cornhole boards out of my one car garage, raking in about $16,000. The debt was paid off, but I was also working a full-time job during that time in my life. She was in a very difficult college program, which added a stressor to her personal life. So you added all these things together and it was just hell for the relationship because we didn't get to spend quality time together because I would be going to do some type of marketing show or a cornhole tournament, a way to interact with the cornhole community. That's what I was doing to promote sales, and it was working. I was very successful at it, making the highest quality cornhole boards that money can buy out of a one-car garage. It was very satisfactory for me because I actually enjoyed woodworking. It's something that I still love to this day, and I enjoyed the finished product. So anyways... That added a lot of stressors. So we're fighting all the time now. We weren't so much just having good times here or there or sometimes. It was like all the time, things were bad. She's stressed. I'm stressed. I recently got into law enforcement and I have a domineering boss at the time where I'm stressed out with him, with the business. She's stressed out with school, with making money. We're living together. We're very combative. She deals with things differently than I deal with. She wants to go into the room and think about things while I want to be over her yelling because of my insecurities and lack of patience. So the relationship ends after two and a half years. I come home from work one day, boom, everything's gone. I'm like, relationship's over. Now, we didn't, specifically, we didn't end things at that moment. It was just kind of like an assumption that things were over, which honestly, on my end as a man, is a huge failure in communication. Because like I said, she was an amazing woman and I didn't recognize at the time that she was extremely stressed with her life and I was extremely stressed with mine our plates were full how do you bring two people together that are immensely stressed out 
about their lives together and expect things to be absolutely peaceful. Now your partner should be a place where you find peace in, right? But there's healthy ways to go about the challenges of life. And this is something that I talk about all the time is effective communication. That's what I found in those moments was, wow, I need to communicate this this better, or at least in my reflection of that time, that's what it was. I need to like change the way that I approach the conversation so that it doesn't lead to a fight. And when she wants me to implement things into my life to make a change, to change the course of the, the relationship, make those changes. But instead, I didn't communicate and I didn't think about things that way. So I went into, per se, my hoe mode. And I was having women over all the time, doing hookups, and it led to me being extremely, I would almost say like numb and willing to sacrifice my morals at the expense of obtaining instant gratification. And one day I'm on Bumble, I'm swiping through, boom, there's this gorgeous girl, right? Okay, I'm going to fall for it. She might be a catfish, but she's pretty enough. I'm going to pursue. She messages me. Boom. We hit things off just a little bit. It was weird. Like most relationships I had ever been in, situationships or somebody that was I was going to hook up with, we were talking on a consistent basis for a week or two or however long that was. Well, with this one, it was like, we would send a snap here, then it'd be a week before we'd hear something back from one another. It's just kind of like a weird dynamic. She was a nurse. I, like I said, I was in law enforcement. I had recently picked up a job with a new department and she comes over for a cookout with her roommate one night. And while we're cooking out and just having a good time talking and all those things, there was something that really stuck out to me. She came into the kitchen while I was cooking potatoes by myself and everybody was out in the garage playing beer pong or whatever we were doing at the time. And she just came in and she asked, is there anything I can help you with? That meant a lot to me because I wanted somebody who was like, hey, I want to help you out, you know? That's something important in relationships is to have somebody there with you. And I was just like, no, it's okay. You don't need to help me. Just hang out with me and let's talk a little bit. Well, one thing led to another. I'm talking to her. And next thing you know, it leads to us being in the bedroom and uh, just a bad situation altogether. Her friend wanted one of my friends out in the garage and he kept turning her down, and I'm in here having a conversation with that girlfriend, uh, eventual girlfriend. And next, next thing you know, the roommate's banging on the door. Hey, give me my keys. I'm ready to leave this place, blah, 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 blah. And we're having a great conversation, like, and she didn't want to go yet because obviously they were going to leave together if they left, and she wasn't ready to go. Next thing you know, the neighbor's girlfriend at the time comes over, picks the lock on the door, busts through the door, smacks 
my current girlfriend at the time across the face. And I'm all about self-defense. I mean, I've been in law enforcement. I know that it's justified at this moment to do something that is going to subdue the physical altercation that just occurred because she they're still up in each other's faces screaming and yelling at each other. So I put her in an arm bar. If you don't know what an arm bar is, it's basically taking the back of the elbow and the wrist and just extending it and throwing the other person off balance. And I just put her on the ground. I said, you need to get out of my house. That is not okay. And I think that the girl at the time, she saw in me that I was willing to stand up for her, that I was willing to protect her. And so one thing led to another. She invites me to go to breakfast. And it was like every waking moment that she was off work and I was off work, we were two peas in a pod. We were doing everything from camping, fishing, listening to music, going on late night drives, going out to eat, night out on the town. I mean, just everything. We were thoroughly enjoying each other. And about two weeks into that, like I said, she was drop dead gorgeous. So about two weeks into that, I asked her to be my girlfriend. And when I asked her to be my girlfriend, she said, you realize that I am from San Diego, California. And if I get into a relationship with you, you're going like, you have to know I'm moving back to San Diego in nine months to a year. And I just said, absolutely. Maybe I'll go with you. We'll see how things go. And the thing was, is that was a lie. I knew I wasn't ready to move away from my hometown and this new job that I have and uh, with this new police department. I was just kind of like getting settled into my life at the time. But she was pretty. And I was willing to go down that path with her. So we enjoyed time together. We went on amazing trips. We went to Colorado on two occasions. We went to San Diego to meet her family. And we went on many small road trips. And it was just like a fun adventure of many things that I got to experience with her that I didn't get to experience with anybody else. And what I found throughout that relationship is this woman is unlike the last one, she wasn't stressed out about life. She was free flow, free going. She would do anything that I wanted to do at any moment. It was just like just the funnest thing ever at the time. Uh, funnest person to be with, honestly. She enjoyed my sense of humor. She enjoyed conversations. She was from California, and maybe they lack in-depth conversations sometimes. Maybe men do out there. I'm not sure. I'm just saying that with my personal experience. She just really enjoyed those conversations too, and she would intently listen to what I had to say. And so those things were like very, 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 very attractive to me. And she was always there to help me as well. And she would sit around the table with us and play board games with family. She was engaging. She was very mature and very, very, very smart. And I continued throughout the relationship to live this lie of, you're moving to California, you're moving to California. And it's always in the back of my head. And 
when when conversations would come up, it'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. You know, this, this things are going to work out. By the time that you're ready to go, we'll go, blah, 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 blah. I'll have everything in order. Well, the reality is she kind of saw the writing on the wall. I wasn't paying off some of the things I needed to pay off or getting the house ready to be put on the market because remember I said I own a house. So I wasn't getting ready for it to be put on the market. And the problem was is end time is coming. It's approaching. And I made the decision. I'm not going to California with her. I just, at the time, didn't believe that I could financially be stable in that moment. I had reached out to many different police departments out there, and their pay just wasn't sufficient for me to justify moving out there. And I would try to communicate that with her at times, but she's like, you just got to... You just got to trust me. It's not as difficult out there as it may appear. And I was like, oh, no, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm a person of comfort in my current position at the time that I'm in a, I'm in a place that, that appears comfortable. And, uh, so I wasn't ready for that. And I started making poor decisions, especially when it comes to a committed relationship. And this is really a thing that is highly against my character. Even at the time, I would say this is something I would not do. And it's not that it, it was something that I would tell her. It's something I would tell everybody. It's, it's, it was an intention that I would never do is to make an online dating profile. But I did. Because remember, like I said, in the relationship before that, I was insecure. I wanted to secure something because I knew the dead end was coming. And so that was my goal. I made an online dating profile one night. She comes back from, from a trip back home to San Diego. And it's, it's I said night, but it's the next morning. And I, I was in the shower and I left out my phone. And while I was in the shower... She looked up my download history on apps and it was kind of threw me off because we had an open door policy on phones, but we trusted each other. Like that wasn't something that I thought that she was going to do or something that she thought that I was going to do. And she goes through the phone and boom, she sees that I had downloaded Tinder. I get out of the shower and she's just looking at me just like eyes beaming through the soul. She's like, Levi, we need to talk. Come sit down. So I sit down on the bed. And she says, what do you have to tell me? I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? I have nothing to tell you. She's like, no, 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 no. You have something to tell me and you need to tell me. She was very, very straightforward with me. She wasn't rude. She wasn't mean, but I could tell that she was upset. Like I said, she was just very emotionally intelligent, emotionally mature, and mentally mature. Like this was like something I had never experienced. It was just very calm, but straightforward. I was like, no, no, no. I kept, I kept trying to cover up the lie. This is what we do when we lie is we immediately want to hide the lie. We want to hide it. But like Jordan Peterson says, every person that lied in his clinical practice over the course of 30 years 
Every single lie was found out. So is honesty the best policy? Absolutely. Well, I'm like, obviously she knows something. I'm like, you know, the only thing I can think of, and I'm not proud of this, but I know the relationship is about to end. And I made a Tinder account. She just broke down. And I was like, oh, God, you know, here we go. You know, now it's like kind of that awkward moment that I just exposed the truth and I've been living this lie. And she's not who I thought, or excuse me, she's not who she thought that I was, which is sad. So sad that that this is what we do when we lie is we make other people feel dumb because they're like, how could I believe you? And... I just apologized to her. She, to some degree, understood, but was very upset. And she was like, you need to give me time. And this time, I gave her time. I left her alone. And I went about my morning. I think I went out and played golf to try and clear my head. That's something that I'll often do. That's one of the hobbies I have is playing golf. And I play golf alone all the time, so it's not something that really bothered me. Even at the time, playing golf alone, I enjoyed the challenge uh, against myself in, in prior games that I had played. So that's what I would do when times would get difficult is I'd go play golf. And she... It was, it was just really rough, and it's something that I immensely regret because it was against my character. So we kind of resolved things for a little bit. And about two weeks goes by. We go to a bar one night, and I get extremely intoxicated. One thing leads to another, and we're arguing. Now, I didn't argue with her the same way I did the, the previous one. I had kind of got that under control, but I, I feel that at the time I maybe respected her a little bit more. And so while we were fighting, I was like, well, I'm going back. I'm going back on online dating. So I made another Tinder account. And while, while I'm making this account, she walks into the room. She sees that I'm on the phone. She looks at me, dead straight stare. She's like, what are you doing? And I was like, Oh, nothing. You know, I'm trying to play it off. She's like, give me your phone. Boom. She sees it. And she just looks at me and she's like, how could you do this to me? I made her feel stupid again. Two weeks later, we pack up all of her stuff and she moves back to California. And my initial, now this is where all of this is going to fall into line. I wanted to give you guys my story. And then we're going to feed and break off of my story of how I have broke things down and evaluated things. And why I talk about things I do on the podcast. Because this is like my whole adult life has been relationships and failed after time, after time, and time again. It's just failure, 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 failure. You want to implement success, this story may move you. Maybe something that you can pull from and implement into your life. Learn from my dumb mistakes. 
And the only reason why I am so open at this point in my life to share this with you, and there's a potential that my future partner could listen to this episode, but I'm sharing it with you because I believe in the power of my story and I believe in the power of your story. It is the reason why I bring on guests to the show because I believe that these stories and experiences in our lives develop not only knowledge, but develops wisdom and how to attack life as we're presented a similar challenge in the future. We know from that experience not to go back down the same path. So I want you, as I dig into the this next two-year segment of my life, to pull from this because this is extremely important. So after we break up, I have this like giddy side of me. I'm excited. I'm joyful. I even remember two days after she left, I went to the meat packing plant. I bought myself a pound and a half ribeye. And I, st- I have a Traeger. And so like I smoked it on the Traeger. Like I took my time, smoked it on the Traeger, made like a loaded baked potato with with bacon, all the toppings, made homemade mac and cheese, asparagus, everything. Like I'm I'm, going to eat like a freaking king because I'm single and I'm going to enjoy this freaking moment, right? And I did at the time. And I felt that way, just this like, yes, yes, let's go, you know? And I I was, honestly, I was hoeing around again. When I'm out of a relationship, that's what I was doing. And so I'm just trekking along through the next few months, just enjoying this moment. I had a motorcycle at the time. I'm riding my motorcycle all the time. I'm just enjoying my singleness. But it was like at the time, I was covering up how I really felt about things. Then it's my 27th birthday, September, approaching it almost. And, um, Things hit me. Levi, you've you've spent 26 years in eight months in failed relationships. And why? I think that this is the place that all of us get to in solitude. And that's what this is all about. Solitude. I'm alone. Remember how I said at the beginning of that conversation, telling that story? I always looked up to my grandparents, 67 years of marriage. And I always wanted that. But why do I continue to fail in relationships? If I want all of these things and my intentions are good, why am I a failure? And that hit me really hard, really deep. In a way that I had never experienced having to deal with myself. And right at that time, I started the podcast. (laughs) And it's interesting because I can go back and listen to that time. And I know how I felt about how I presented myself on the podcast. I won't say that I lacked authenticity because I was authentic, 
But I wasn't open with you guys. I wasn't open about what I was struggling with. And although I wanted to impact people, I didn't necessarily see the importance of telling my story so that people understood why I'm saying what I'm saying. Instead, it was almost like directions, which is often what self-help is. It's directional. It's like do X, Y, and Z to get to point B, right? And the reality is self-help isn't that. Self-help is a gradual process of emotional and physical experiences throughout a long period of time. That is what self-help is. You don't change overnight. And I'm experiencing this emotional distraught state. And I had reached out to my ex-girlfriend from California. And I sent her a letter. And I just told her how basically broken I was. And what she saw at the time was obviously a very weak man. And that's what I was. I was very weak. I wasn't properly dealing with my emotions to sustain myself mentally and spiritually. I hadn't honed in on some of the things I really have now. And I began in the midst of that loneliness to find myself very depressed, drinking nightly, daily after I got off of work. On my days off, I would be so drunk that I would pass out on the couch in a freaking empty house by myself, and I would wake up feeling worse because the alcohol didn't help. It subdued my emotions temporarily, but long-term, or at least what it felt like at the time, it created me waking up in the mornings like, I hate my life. I hate me. And I did. I hated me. I hated who I was. I hated where I was at. I hated who I was becoming. Mm, Makes me emotional just... And then I, I started having, uh, excuse me, started having thoughts of suicide. You know, would it just, would it just be better if I ended all of it? You know, I'm a failure. Everything I've ever wanted, I've failed at. It wasn't just because of her or the one before or the first one. It's all of them. Every hookup. Every situationship, every relationship, I failed. And I contemplated those thoughts for three months, every day. Mm, Every day. And uh, I'd lay in my bed, curled up in a ball. And I didn't see any purpose. I didn't see any meaning. I had no aim. I was absent of joy, even in the midst of being with my closest friends and family. I grew bitter. 
and I was captured in darkness. And that's really what it was. In December hits. And this is December of, of 21. Um, and I worked an extremely difficult call at work. And a man ended up getting shot in the face. And I had never dealt with anything like this. And it was kind of, that was that was crazy. I'm depressed. But that was crazy. You know, that was weird. That's not something that you ever want to experience, but you know that there's a potential that you could experience it in law enforcement. And thank God I wasn't I wasn't the guy that that shot him or or whatever. And I can't get into the details of the story. But my involvement was there. And a week later after that was the call that changed my life. Um, received a call from an individual who was at a hotel, and he said, I'm going to kill myself. Click. Hangs up the phone. Well, we tracked down the room number. We tracked down where he was at. And it's only been a week since that last call. And I knock on the door, and I identify myself as a police officer. Bang! Another gunshot. Everything that I had experienced a week ago was heightened a thousand percent. Just this like utter adrenaline dump. I don't know what just happened. Yeah, we have the information that this guy was going to kill himself, but how do we know that he doesn't have a kid in the room with him? How do we know that his wife isn't in the room with him? How do we know that he didn't shoot somebody else to shut them up or whatever the story could have been? But these are the thoughts running through your mind while you're at that door and you have your gun drawn down on that on that room and you're trying to figure things out. And my superior was like, hey, Levi, go outside, try and see if you can look into the window to see if we can gather any information. So I go look into the window, uh, careful, very, 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 very slow and careful approach to that window because I didn't want to be seen at the window. If he's still alive in there with the gun, I don't want to get shot outside of the room. So anyways, I uh, I go look into the room and there's all this matter on the, on the window and we call out the SWAT team basically and they open up the door and it's confirmed it was a suicide. Well, it's my beat, so it's Levi's responsibility to work the call. I'd never seen anything like this. You think gory movies are bad? Wait until you actually see it, smell it, hear it. You feel the darkness. You feel the sadness. And I was in the darkness, and I was in the sad place. And when I walked in the room and I saw that there wasn't, Anything left pretty much above his shoulders. Every time I say it, it just tears me apart. But I said to myself in that moment, I never want my mom to find me like that. I never want my closest friends to find me like that. And it changed me. I laid in my bed for the next week, getting very minimal sleep. 
And when I say minimal sleep, I'm talking. Levi would get 45 minutes, two hours of sleep, be awake for three or four hours, 30, 45 minutes, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And I didn't have anybody to tell. I didn't have anybody really to talk to. I had some friends, fortunately, at the time, but they didn't understand. They didn't they didn't know what that was like, what it smelled like, or the past experience and stacking it on. But I was like, I gotta change my life. I gotta you know, if I don't want my mom to find me like that, if I don't want my my family and friends to find me like that. I got to get some things in order. I got to change my life. And I got to start evaluating things. I got to figure this crap out. This mud, this ruck that I'm in, I'm going to get out. So I decided that I was going to start reading. I believe I had never read a chaptered book up to this point in his life. Come on, who needs books, right? <laughs> I always watch documentaries and things like that. I always liked intellectual things. But I just had never really got into reading. And I was like, well, that's something that I need to do. So I went to Barnes & Noble. And before I went into Barnes & Noble, I prayed. And I just said, God, please just lead me to a book that's going to change my life, that's going to change me and everything that I am. And... So I went into Barnes and Noble and I picked out 48 Laws of Power. And up above 48 Laws of Power, I was looking, there's another book. And it was called Ego is the Enemy, Ryan Holiday. I was like, wow, that's a, hmm, that's a really fascinating title. Maybe I ought to like thumb through that real quick. So I'm thumbing through it. And it's all these quotes from like Epictetus, Marcus Aurelius, and just like life perspective ideas about putting yourself aside and how that benefits you in the long term, not just professionally, but personally in relationships. So I bought 48 Laws of Power, a devotional, and um, Ego is the Enemy. And when I got home, I immediately started reading and along this time, I'm journaling as well. And while I'm journaling, I'm thinking my thoughts and I'm going through everything. And I started up Braincast. The very first episode of Braincast was in this time. And I hadn't even performed well on social media or anything. I think I was on episode 12 of the podcast at the time. And the things just like start clicking for me like these i'm going to get these things in order these are it's going to it's going to be fixed and i'm just entrenched buried in ego as the enemy and it literally changed my perspective because everybody out here was like levi you got to learn to love yourself you got to learn to love yourself and I'm reading this book and I'm like, no, like self-love is the definition of egotistical if we define it from the standpoint of what love is today. You can love anything, anyone, blah, 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 blah. And you could say yes, but there's always conditions to love. 
And the condition to self-love is not that I'm entrenched in self and that I love myself X amount to feel happy and subdue these internal feelings. But self-love, to me, I looked at it. Now I look at it this way, is that self-love is like loving a child. You are in your infancy of who you can become. But like the parent corrects the child, you have to have the ability to correct yourself because you know the potential of that child inside of you and who you can become. So you develop discipline within yourself of developing yourself beyond where you're currently at. You love yourself enough to be able to continue moving forward, but you don't love yourself so much to the degree that you think that you are the best. When you look in the mirror, you're, you don't look at it like, oh, I'm the best police officer. I'm the best accountant. I'm the best this. I'm the best looking. You don't over-evaluate even your physicality. You don't love yourself in that form. You love yourself with the potential of who you can be, not who you are currently. And self-love leads down a path of, it's all about you. It's all about you, 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 you. And the reality is you want to learn how to love and you want to be able to love yourself and find gratification in your life. What I learned was, hey, I'm going to start reaching out to people. And that's what I did at this time. I started reaching out to people and I was like, hey, I just want to tell you today, I love you. You encourage me and I'm proud of you. I tear up in that because, believe me, a thousand hard times have come, even over the last year and a half, where I really had to, um, you know, do that to just find some gratification within myself and just have relationships reciprocate to some degree. But I went out and I spent some time out at the lake here in town, and I packed up a bag with everything for a bonfire and all these books. And I finished Ego as the Enemy. And right at the end of the book, Ryan's talking about his his wife and basically just the perspective of a relationship amongst this Ego as the Enemy book. And I, I was just crying, you know, honestly, because it was just like rejuvenating for me. And uh, I continued doing braincast continue doing journaling and I still wasn't over that last relationship but I had found some peace I had found some solitude of how to deal with it a healthy way to deal with it journaling and reading and I was buried in it and um, that's what I was doing every single day I was driven on the podcast I was producing an episode a week something I had never fully committed to doing before and then July hit. And July was really a turning point in my whole life. 120%. Because this was the moment where I decided I am no longer going to allow that previous relationship to control my thoughts. And I'm going to submit 
all of this to God. Everything that I am, everything who I want to become, everything is in God's hands. And I just prayed and I submitted all of it to him. I'm like, God, it's yours. I'm yours. Take the podcast, take the house, take the finances, take the job, take everything that I become and make it yours to glorify you. And I battle with that. I'm not perfect. Okay, I still have challenges, but I submitted it to him. That's yours. And maybe there's time still that I'm, that's a, that's an everyday thing. That's not a one-time thing. You choose every single day to give it up. You don't hold on to it. You don't just say one day I'm done with it and it changes. That's not the way life works. Okay, and you hear me talk about things on TikTok and it sounds like just straight into the point because you're not going to get my full story in 20 seconds. You're not going to understand it. But if I can say one thing that impacts you, that changes you in the midst of a 12 to 30 second video, then that's what I want because I want you to get to the place where I am still and where I was to start evaluating it. Because your loneliness, your depression, your solitude, you are not alone in. There are hundreds and thousands of other people, not just in America, but around the world, dealing with the same emotions that you deal with. You are not alone in them. And it's good to know that. Because your battle within you is so normal that millions of other people deal with it too. So you're not alone on this ride. I still battle it from time to time, just maybe not as much. But July hit, right? I finally submitted all of it. Take, take my relationships, take my friendships, take everything that I am and make it yours. And what was really weird about that time, for the first time in almost a year, my ex reached out to me. She said, hey, how are you doing? My reply, hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Boom, she left me on red. I'm like, what the heck? Why would you text me? Why would you Why would you want to have this conversation with me right now? Whatever, or, or, or whatever. Like, that makes no sense to me. Why are you thinking about me? It's been so long since we talked. What is it? Three days go by and I just text her and I ask her, why did you text me? And she replies and says, oh, I just wanted something from your attic that I forgot at the house. I'm like, what in the world? This is weird. Well, obviously, in journaling, I journaled all of my thoughts on that relationship. And I had finished the book, Ego is the Enemy. And so I had written her letters as a coping mechanism to get over the, fail, the failures in that relationship. And so, uh, I was like, well, you know what, if that's as, as basic as it was for the reason why she reached out to me, the door's open. I'm going to tell her how I feel. So I typed out this letter and I sent it to her over text message, right, wrong, or indifferent. If it's something you would do or something you want to do, regardless, it was something that I needed to do to find closure. And she just said, yeah, I'm not open to anything like I can't believe you still think this way after it being a year, year and a half. And you could say whatever you want about her. She was a great woman. And I'm not saying that to demean her character. That was just the way that she felt. 
and that's completely okay. And I dealt with it. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm free. It was literally like, like taking something new out of the package. And it's just like, you're excited to have it out and, you know, do whatever with it. You know, maybe it's plugging in the new phone you got. Like, that's what, that's how I felt. Like I'm free from it all. You know, I'm, I'm, I get to experience this new chapter in my life kicked off um, the series with Samantha Jimenez shortly after that, kicked off the the Boundary series with my mother. And truly, I must say, in the midst of all of this, these last six months of podcasting has been not only the most personal growth that I have experienced within like, getting to the place where I like me. I like me. I could go to a restaurant and sit at the table by myself and not for a moment think how great it would be to have somebody here with me. But just enjoy the solitude. Just enjoy the peace and breathe. Yeah, you hope that one day you can experience that with somebody else. But I like me, and I can do this, and I enjoy people. I enjoy people watching. I enjoy thinking. I enjoy being here, present in this moment of my life. I enjoy where I'm at. And uh, (laughs) I tell you what, that is the most satisfying feeling you will ever feel in your life is being okay with you, being in a place knowing that you have dealt with so much darkness, you have been at the bottom of the barrel, and you came back up from it, and you're free. That is the best feeling ever that you can ever experience. I I really think that. And uh, I think about it now, and I'm like, well, how is this going to carry over? How is this going to carry over into when I am in a relationship, if I'm blessed with one? How's that going to carry over? I'm going to be satisfied with her. I'm not going to be up yelling at her. I'm not going to be screaming at her. I'm not going to be trying to find validation in the new relationship that may come in the future. I'm not going to be trying to secure the next deal. I'm not going to be mad and angry because somebody cheated on me. I'm so at peace with me that if those times come and they'll be extremely difficult, but I know that my emotional standpoint and my mental drive will pull me through. I am a strong, motivated articulate, loving man that I can get through the hell because God has provided me the strength to continue to go. Go, go, put your head down, go. You want to make more money? You want your life in order? You want you want to change your profession? You want to move somewhere new and experience new people? Go, 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 enjoy it. It's a process. It's a path that you choose. And that path is a journey. And that journey is one that you 
will think back on when you're 70, 80 years old. And that journey will be one that you're either proud of or one that you immensely regret. And that's why today you need to learn how to start taking responsibility. As you've seen in this conversation, start taking responsibility. Start evaluating your past. Find peace from your insecurities. Get away from bitterness. Forgive yourself. Forgive others. Accept where you're currently at. Accept where you're going. Develop goals. Implement change in your life. Get your life in order. Find aim to get there. That's what I've learned in two years. I learned how to like myself. You can learn how to like yourself too. It's okay to be wrong. We're all wrong. None of us are perfect. We all make immensely poor decisions. But today, you can be different than you were yesterday for a better tomorrow. I know that this is the longest Braincast episode I have ever done. But I really felt on my heart to share it with you. You can find peace in solitude. It takes time. It's a gradual change. But it starts by you implementing things in your life. Or maybe it starts like it did for me. A crucial moment where you realize you're not in a place where you want to be. And you're in a place where you never want people to find what the outcome may be. Look, one more thing I want to add to this conversation. Along the way, many people have not believed in me. Many people have looked at me as cringy, an imbecile, a fool. Why would he do that? Why would he talk about that on the podcast? Why, why is he like sharing his mind like that? Blah, 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 blah. Nobody knows. You know, Jordan Peterson was quoted saying, every man is an actor of his own ideal. I've been an imposter. I failed to be authentic. I'm not anymore. I'm real. I'm, I'm real with you. I don't beat around the bush. I'm not fake. I'm not lying to you when I talk about things. When I talk about specific topics on the podcast, I do it with the best of intentions to benefit you, to always benefit you because my story has power to it. Your story has power to it. And there's hope for tomorrow. And while you're suffering today, implement things in your life. People will not believe in you. People will not accept what you are doing. In a lot of days, you will feel alone. But that alone time, that solitude, Learn to like you, have peace, and have courage to continue moving forward. You have purpose. Now go out and find it. Nobody can tell you what your purpose is, but you have purpose. Pick up your weapon. Aim down the sights and go to war. You're not alone. If you guys enjoyed this episode, if you got something from it, even in the emotional times or whatever, like make a short clip of it. Make an example out of me. 
I am a living testimony to Jesus Christ. Do it. If you enjoyed this and you believe that one of your friends are suffering with depression and loneliness and having a hard time finding peace and solitude, share this episode with them. It may change their life. Not for my benefit, but for their benefit. Please. That's why I do this. That's the reason why I've spent six grand on my studio. It's for you. It's not for me. Yeah, I enjoy it and I utilize it, but it's for you. It's for you. I do all this with good intentions. And I love all of you. Any one of you, I have so many of you that reach out to me. And remind me why I continue to go. Because there's days when I feel like giving it all up and hanging it up. But you remind me why I continue to go. When you say, thank you, dude. That, that message inspired me. That message motivated me today. That moves me to keep going. And so I love that. I love that part of it. It's not validation that I'm great and I'm this and I'm that. I don't mean that from an egotistical side. I mean that as I'm fulfilling a purpose in my life. It reminds me that I have value. And so I appreciate that. More than any of you could understand. I Well, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way. So share this. Follow me on Instagram, on my personal page, and on the Pursuing Truth podcast page. Please reach out to me through DM. I do read every single DM I get, and I will message you back, especially if it's pertaining to the podcast. Every time... Every single person gets a reply when it's about the podcast. If you're just going to reach out to me and say, hey, you're attractive or you're this, you're that, I'm not going to reply to you more than likely. But if you reach out about the podcast, I will reach back out to you. If there's things that you disagree with, if there's things that you think I could have said better, tell me. I'm an open book and I don't get offended, unlike most millennials these days. So reach out to me. Just tell me what you think. Follow me on Spotify so that you catch more episodes. I have some exciting news for y'all. At the beginning of this episode, I shared with you the Order of Man podcast and that there is a co-host every Wednesday on that show. His name is Kip Sorensen. I have been in contact with Kip Sorensen and next week's episode will be approximately an hour long and Kip has agreed to come on to the Pursuing Truth podcast with me. So this will be a great opportunity to discuss topics revolving around male mentorship and developing strong friendships with fellow men to hold us accountable to live a more responsible and purposeful life. So make sure that you tune in next week on YouTube. Make sure that you go ahead and shoot me a subscribe and you guys leave an Apple podcast rating and review. That is the most important thing that you can do on this whole platform. Leave me an Apple podcast rating and review. With that being said, you guys have a great rest of your Thursday. I hope you got something from this. I am praying for all of you and God bless. <laughs>